How do I know it's true? How can I know there is a God and how can I know he loves me? The revelation is so much bigger than the power to rationalize. This truth is bigger than the world and its universe, even out of this world. At God said, man said, we prove the perfect inerrancy of God's word from the first moment of creation, paradise, immortality, and Adam's rib to the historicity of Jesus Christ, including the crucifixion and resurrection, and even quantum physics, proofs that satisfy the analytic part of the mind. But the revelation of the Holy Ghost transcends all common and not so common knowledge. I know I am born again because the word of God said that I am. Romans ten nine and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. When that marvelous promise of redemption is made to the lost, and when they mix those words with faith, everything changes, and the word is everything. Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and it is true. At this point, the proof of all proofs enters the equation. Proof supplied by the Spirit of God himself a proof of God's salvation that can only be spiritually discerned. Romans 8, verses 15 and 16. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The natural skills of rationalization and scholarship are at a loss here. Have you been born again, born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God? Today, everything will change for you. Today, all of your sin will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood and sin shame expunged. Today, all of Satan's bondages will be broken. The bigger, the better. Today, Jesus Christ will become your Lord and Savior, and God will become your Father. Follow me now in this simple prompt. The new birth and the most exciting journey of a lifetime will begin. Here we go. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 1, 20 through 23. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales, and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth, and the evening and the morning were the fifth day. God said, Isaiah fourteen twenty nine. Rejoice not thou, whole Palestina, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. For out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent. God said, Second Thessalonians two seven through twelve. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. 
And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him, whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Man said, according to evolutionist Dr. Susan Blackmore, quoted in the book Evolutionists Say the Oddest Things, in the end nothing matters, and everything is impermanent, and you can't hang on to anything. If you really think about evolution and why we human beings are here, you have to come to the conclusion that we are here for absolutely no reason at all. That can be very scary, but it can also be comforting. Now the record. The new global mantra is follow the science. The American Dictionary of the English Language, published by Noah Webster in 1828, defines science as, one, in a global sense, knowledge or certain knowledge, the comprehension or understanding of truth or facts by the mind, the science of God must be perfect, end of quote. God, of course, is the source of all knowledge, yet today's carnal academics consistently, even relentlessly, rail upon his account found in the majority text authorized King James Version of the Bible. If God says yes, 10,000 will stand to say no, and without exception. Jesus describes this spiritual perversion in John eight forty two through 45 Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. They must resist. Their father, the devil, demands it. True science is the word of God, which is the inerrant truth and the absolute of all absolutes. A reoccurring principle stated on God said, man said is that carnal man's truth of today will be debunked by his truth of tomorrow, just as his truth of yesterday was debunked by his truth of today. The reason for this constant state of flux is that so-called truth that denies the scriptures is simply false. This is always the case. After billions of attempts by Satan's minions to up, upend the God of truth, and without a single victory, one would suppose they would concede defeat. But no, they soldier on. Examples of the foolishness of unbelief are ever apparent. Consider these excerpts from the God Said, Man Said feature, Man's Ever-Changing Truth, Big Bang Becomes Big Bounce. The headline on the cover of the November 2016 issue of Scientific American reads, Five Scientific Facts That People Often Get Wrong. The lead article in Five Things We Know to Be True is authored by Michael Shermer. Speaking of the theory of evolution, Shermer writes, 
But it doesn't take a rocket scientist or an English naturalist to understand why a theory on the origin of species by means of natural selection would be so controversial. If new species are created naturally, not supernaturally, what place then for God? No wonder more than a century and a half later, people of some religious faiths still find the theory so terribly threatening. But in those intervening years, scientists have found so much evidence in support of the theory that it would be truly astonishing if it turned out not to be true, as shocking as if the germ theory of disease fell apart, or if astrophysicists were forced to abandon the Big Bang model of the universe, end of quote. Contrary to Shermer's allegations, it is he and his ilk that are threatened by God in his Bible. The gatekeepers, the content censors of their scholastic publications, periodicals, textbooks, videos, and digital posts seldom, if arguably ever, permit God's people to challenge the positions their pundits have taken. In many cases, their positions directly oppose and undermine the Word of God. If they are so confident, why not allow a vigorous debate? Mr. Shermer attempts to buttress his truth with an appeal to radiometric dating. He writes, The consistency of dating techniques also gives us confidence that the theory is true. Uranium lead, rubidium stronium, and potassium argon dating, for example, are all reasonably consistent in their determination of the age of rocks and fossils. The ages are given in estimates, but the margins of error are in the range of 1%. It's not as if one scientist finds that a fossil hominin is 1.2 million years old, while another one finds it is 10,000 years old. According to Shermer, the ages are given in estimates, but the margins of error are in the range of 1%. It is not as if one scientist finds that a fossil hominid is 1.2 million years old, while another finds it is 10,000 years old. Is he correct? Just one example in this feature is Mount St. Helens. The volcanic catastrophe began in 1980. Her rock age was measured by the potassium-argon method. The results? Lava rock. 350,000 years old. Constituent minerals, 2.8 million years. When measured, the volcanic rock was less than 10 years old. Fake news runs amok in pseudoscience's search for the so-called missing link. Examples include, 1. Ramapithecus was originally constructed from a few teeth and a few fragments of a jaw. As a result of new fossil material, he has been reclassified as an orangutan. Number two, Australopithecines, a proposed missing link, has lost his credentials. This creature did not walk upright in a human manner. Number three, Java Man. The original discoverer of Java Man, who was constructed from a femur, skull cap, and three teeth, set him forth as a showpiece of evolution. Many years later, they conceded that Java Man was probably just a giant gibbon. Number four, Neanderthal man. All anthropologists now believe that he was just as human as you and me. Five, Cro-Magnum man. If he walked down the street clean-shaven and in a business suit, he would go completely unnoticed. Number six, Nebraska man made famous in the Scopes trial in the 1920s was the evolutionist proof that their theory was fact. This Nebraska man was their missing link. The proof was a tooth. 
But years later, after further digging, they discovered their tooth was that of a pig and not an intermediate of man. A relatively new missing link was Archaeoraptor, Archaeoraptor, which was offered to the public as proof positive that reptiles evolved into birds. This Chinese chicken lizard, much to the embarrassment of the evolutionist and National Geographic, which was promoting it aggressively, proved to be a fraud. It was discovered that someone had glued a dinosaur tail to a primitive bird, and the frauds just keep on rolling. In 1912, the newspaper headline blared, Missing Link Found, Darwin's Theory Proved. Author Donald DeYoung records the following. The famous Piltdown Man fossil had been located in England. Over the next 40 years, the pieces of skull and accompanying tools were studied, debated, and often used as evolution evidence. Four decades later, however, in 1953, the artifacts were recognized as a complete fraud. Someone had placed together the skull of a human and the jawbone of an ape. They were artificially made to look old with acid and markings with a wire brush. The perpetrator has never been identified. Suspicion should have been raised immediately for at least two reasons. First, Piltdown Man was found just 30 miles from Charles Darwin's residence. Second, one of the burial implements alongside the fossil strangely resembled a cricket bat used in modern British sports, end of quote. Additional examples of fake news would include Peking Man, Lucy, the peppered moth, horse evolution, the whale's floating pelvis, and over 200 vestigial, vestigial organs and body parts that prove evolution, and now, not one. The headline on the cover of the January 2020 issue of Acts and Facts reads, Hormonality. Another Failed Evolutionary Ape Man. Excerpts from the feature written by geneticist Dr. J.P. Tompkins follow. One of the most confusing and enigmatic ape man discoveries of the 21st century has been homonality. Its discoverer was Lee Berger, a controversial American paleoanthropologist working at Wits University in Johannesburg, South Africa. Since the first journal publication describing H-nality in 2015, much additional work and analysis of the bone fragments and other archaeological and geological aspects of the research have been published. As a result, we can now step back and take a fresh look at all the data and conclude that yet another false ape-man story has been perpetrated upon the public to prop up a failed paradigm of human evolution. We think it's only fitting that Scientific American and Mr. Shermer get one more parting plug. Again, from God Said, Man Said. Scientific American's Mr. Shermer writes concerning the theory of evolution. But in those intervening years, scientists have found so much evidence in support of the theory that it would be truly astonishing if it turned out not to be true. As shocking as if the germ theory of disease fell apart or if astrophysicists were forced to abandon the Big Bang model of the universe, end of quote. Did God create the earth and its universe in six literal 24-hour days just over 6,000 years ago? Or did we explode into existence, the Big Bang, from basically nothing billions of years ago? Man's truth is in a constant state of flux. The same Scientific American publication, 
that in November 2016 ran its multi-page feature, Five Things We Know to Be True, Tiling the Big Bang, published an eight-page feature in February 2017 with the headline, Pop Goes the Universe, with the subhead, The Latest Astrophysical Measurements Combined with Theoretical Problems, Cast Doubt on the Long-Cherished Inflationary Theory of the Early Cosmos, and suggests we need new ideas. Remember, inflationary theory is central to the Big Bang. In the book In Six Days, Why 50 Scientists Choose to Believe in Creation, we find a telling paragraph written about and by Dr. John R. Baumgartner. In six days, you'll find this. Dr. Baumgartner is a technical staff member of the Theoretical Division of Los Alamos National Laboratory. He holds a B.S. in Electrical Engineering from Texas Tech University, an M.S. in Electrical Engineering from Princeton University, and an M.S. and Ph.D. in Geophysics and Space Physics from UCLA. Dr. Baumgartner is the chief developer of the TERRA, the Terror Code, a 3D finite element program for modeling the Earth's mantle and lithosphere. His current research is in the area of planetary mantle dynamics and the development of efficient hydrodynamic methods for supercomputers. Dr. Baumgartner writes concerning how coded language structures such as in DNA arise. Despite all the millions of pages of evolutionist publications from journal articles to textbooks, to popular magazine stories, which assume and imply that material processes are entirely adequate to accomplish macroevolutionary miracles, there is in reality no rational basis for such belief. It is utter fantasy. Coded language structures are non-material in nature and absolutely require a non-material explanation. And finally, this doctor writes... As a Christian who is also a professional scientist, I exult in the reality that in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, Exodus 20, verse 11. May he forever be praised, end of quotes. Evolutionists have grappled with the problem regarding the world's largest mammal, the whale, and the reality that somehow the whale got back into the sea from which mammals supposedly evolved. Check out this explanation in the following excerpts from the God Said, Man Said feature, Poor Design, You Decide. The water buffalo hung around the water too long. His legs fell off and turned into aquatic navigating parts. His nostrils crept up to the top of his head and formed a blowhole. His hairy hide converted to smooth, thick blubber. Volé, you have a whale. Darwin had his own version of the whale, In his own words, swimming for hours with widely open mouth, thus catching like a whale insects in the water. Even in so extreme a case as this, if the supply of insects were constant and if better adapted competitors did not already exist in the country, I can see no difficulty in a race of bears being rendered by natural selection more and more aquatic in their structure and habits with larger and larger mouths till a creature was produced as monstrous as a whale. End of quotes. That's impressive thinking, don't you think? Today's subject is not whether there were flying reptiles, for the scriptures clearly state that there were flying serpents. Isaiah fourteen twenty nine, 
Rejoice not thou, whole Palestinia, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. For out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent. The focus in today's subject is to determine if the dinosaur evolved into the hummingbird, the same little bird in the backyard feeder, or if each was created after its kind during the six days of creation just over 6,000 years ago. One more comment concerning flying serpents. In a research book titled After the Flood, author William Cooper cites some very interesting information. This first excerpt deals with flying reptiles, which science claims were not contemporary to man. It reads, The last monster to be destroyed by bull wolf, and from which encounter bull wolf also died in the year A.D. 583, was a flying reptile which lived on a promontory overlooking the sea at Hornesness on the southern coast of Sweden. Now the Saxons, and presumably the Danes, knew flying reptiles in general as lipflaga, air flyers. But this particular species of flying reptile, the specimen from Hornesness, was known to them as widflaga, literally a wide or far-ranging flyer, and the description that they have left thus fits that of a giant a pteranodon. Interestingly, the Saxons also described this creature, a screech, a creature excuse me, is Ligdraca, or fire dragon, and he is described as 50 feet in length, or perhaps wingspan, and about 300 years of age. Great age is a common feature even among today's non-giant reptiles. Moreover, and of particular interest to us, the name Widflaga would have distinguished this particular species of flying reptile from another similar species, which was capable of making only short flights. Such a creature is portrayed in a shield boss from the Sutton Who Burial, which shows a flying dragon with its wings folded along its sides. Its long, tooth-filled jaws are readily seen, and the shield boss can be seen to this day in its showcase at the British Museum. Modern paleontologists working from fossilized remains have named such a creature pterodactyl. In a 1793 statistical account of Scotland, a sober government report read, In the end of November and beginning of December last, many of the country people observed dragons appearing in the north and flying rapidly towards the east, from which they concluded, and their conjectures were right, that boisterous weather would follow. Flying reptiles have been reported as recently as the early 1900s. End of quotes. The following excerpts are from the book Evolutionists Say the Oddest Things. Most evolutionists believe that birds evolved from dinosaurs, though there are evolutionary dissenters from this view. Scriptures explicitly teach us that God made birds and other flying creatures and sea creatures on day six of creation week, while he made land animals, including dinosaurs, on day six. Therefore, the Bible contradicts dinosaur to bird evolution. Consider the pulley system. For flapping flight, the wing has to be lifted to get ready for the next downstroke. Birds accomplish this with an intricate pulley system involving several bones, muscles, and tendons. How could natural selection select for the early stages of this system when those half-finished stages are of no use to the animal and quite likely detrimental? It is highly questionable whether natural selection would drive the many coordinated changes needed to form this pulley system 
and there is no fossil evidence of a system evolving. Concerning feathers, some evolutionists claim that feathers evolve from scales, but scales are folds in skin. Feathers, on the other hand, are complex, aerodynamically shaped structures with barbs, barbels, and hooks. Feathers also originate in a totally different way from follicles inside the skin in a manner akin to hair. Finally, feather proteins, Q-keratins and phi-keratins, are biochemically different from skin and scale proteins, A-keratins, alpha-keratins. It is nonsensical to think any animal would accidentally stumble upon the special function-shaped biochemistry and anatomical development pathway of feathers by blind processes, especially when the intermediate stages have little to no known survival advantage. Special flow-through lung designs. Bird lungs are very different from reptile lungs. A reptile lung is like a bellows, that is, Air is breathed in and blood takes up the oxygen and releases carbon dioxide. The stale air is then breathed out in the same way it came in. Mammal lungs have a different internal structure but also work like a bellows. However, birds have a complicated system of air sacs that makes use of even the hollow bones. This system keeps air flowing in one direction through special tubes in the lung and blood moves through the lungs' flood vessel, blood vessels in the opposite direction for efficient oxygen uptake and excellent engineering design. How would the bellows style of reptile lungs evolve gradually into avian lungs? The hypothetical intermediate stages could not conceivably function properly, meaning the poor animal would be unable to breathe. One of the first developmental stages would be a poor creature with a a diaphragmatic hernia, a hole in the diaphragm, and natural selection will work against this. Also, the air sacs require a fixed thigh bone for support. In birds, the thigh is inside the body, and what seems like its knee is equivalent to our ankle. However, dinosaurs had movable thighs, so could not have supported an avian lung system. End of quotes. Anna Burke, a paleoornithologist and professor of biology at Wesleyan University, and Alan Fiducia, paleoornithologist and S.K. Henninger, distinguished professor emeritus at the University of North Carolina, made this enlightening point. Problems with theropods evolving into birds. The embryonic development evidence of homology is problematic for the hypothesized theropod origin of birds. How do you derive birds from a heavy, earthbound, bipedal reptile that has a deep body, a heavy balancing tail, and four shortened forelimbs? Biophysically, it's impossible. Point by point, there's no connection. End of quote. Ann Gibbons, a science journalist, and John Rubin, a vertebrate paleobiologist in the Department of Zoology at Oregon State University, suggest that dinosaurs breathed in cold blood. Here was the first evidence in soft tissue that theropods had the same kind of compartmentalization of lungs, liver, and intestines that you would find only in a crocodile and not in a bird. Rubin uses this lung evidence to argue not only that dinosaurs were incapable of the high rates of gas exchange needed for warm-bloodedness, but also that their bellow-like lungs could not have evolved into the high-performance lungs of modern birds, end of quote. The curator of birds at the National Museum of Natural History of the Smithsonian Institution, Storrs Olson, wrote the following in an open letter to the National Geographic Society. 
The idea of feathered dinosaurs and the theropod origin of burns is being actively promulgated by a cadre of zealous scientists acting in concert with certain editors at Nature and National Geographic who themselves have become outspoken and highly biased proselytizers of the faith. Truth and careful scientific weighing of evidence have been among the first casualties in their program, which is now fast becoming one of the grander scientific hoaxes of our age, the paleontological equivalent of cold fusion, end of quote. If that's what evolutionists have to say on the evolution of dinosaurs to birds, what of the creationists? In the January 2021 issue of Acts and Facts, J. Herbert, Ph.D., writes under the heading, Pterosaurs Didn't Have Feathers, much of the feature follows. Evolutionary scientists have recently claimed that pterosaurs had feathers. Pterosaurs were winged reptiles. Although they are sometimes called flying dinosaurs, they are technically distinct from dinosaurs. The scientists claim the brush-like appearance of fibers in pterosaur wings indicate that these structures were protofeathers, a kind of primitive feather. Evolutionists claim uh, theropod dinosaurs evolved into birds, so it follows that they embrace feathered dinosaurs. However, there are enormous challenges in explaining how a dinosaur came to morph into a bird. Reptilian scales and bird feathers are not at all alike. Nevertheless, evolutionary paleontologists claim to have fossil evidence that some dinosaurs had feathers. Many creationists would counter that in some cases, feathers belonging to birds have been mistakenly attributed to dinosaurs. In other cases, they are the remnants of decaying collagen fibers in dinosaur skin. This view is supported by the fact that these so-called proto-feathers are not like the bird feathers we are familiar with. Rather, they are simple or hair-like filaments or fibers called dino fuzz. Evolutionist paleoornithologist Alan Fiducia has strongly argued that these feathers are actually decaying skin fibers. Dino fuzz has been found on the remains of non-theropod dinosaurs, on ithosaurs, and on the carcasses of dolphins and sharks. Obviously, the presence of proto-feathers on the remains of animals totally unrelated to birds, showing that these features are not diagnostic. How could one explain feathers on marine features? creatures, excuse me. Paleobiologist Dr. David Unwin and David Martill recently weighed in on the issue of feathered pterosaurs. They noted that the branching structure in these wing fibers, seen as evidence of feathers, can occur when the skin fibers and pterosaur wings decompose and unravel. This view is supported by how rare these branching fibers are. Although simple fibers are common on the 30 or so preserved pterosaur remains, these branching fibers have only been observed in three pterosaur specimens, so the branching structure appears to be an artifact of preservation rather than evidence of actual feathers. Moreover, the very existence of preserved dinosaur and pterosaur skin fibers is itself a strong argument that these creatures did not live millions of years ago. The survival of preserved collagen skin fibers is just another example of preserved soft or original dinosaur tissue. Unwin and Martul have unwittingly corroborated ICR's position that these fossil fibers represent decayed skin fragments. Pterosaur fibers look like dinosaur fibers, both of which look like decayed skin. 
And without feathered dinosaurs, the case for dino-to-bird evolution flies away. End of quotes. Second Thessalonians speaks of the last days and a spirit of strong delusion that God will give to those who reject the cross of Christ. As a result of this strong delusion, the lost will believe a lie. Second Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That spirit of strong delusion has permeated the entire earth, and it is this dark spirit that will prevail at the time of Christ's return. Prepare to meet your God. God said, Genesis 1, 20 through 23, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales, and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. God said, Isaiah 14, verse 29, Rejoice not thou, whole Palestinia, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. For out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a fiery, flying serpent. God said, Second Thessalonians 2, 7 through 12, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness." Man said, according to evolutionist Dr. Susan Blackmore, quoted in the book Evolutionists Say the Oddest Things, in the end nothing matters, and everything is impermanent, and you can't hang on to anything. If you really think about evolution and why we human beings are here, you have to come to the conclusion that we are here for absolutely no reason at all. That can be very scary, but it can also be comforting. Now you have the record.